0: It is time for the root canal known as the Post Iron Bowl Village Vice. He is Zach Blackerby and I am Brad Law. Thanks for watching. This is gonna be fun. Um boy, Zach. We we just kinda I think we just need to get right into it. All right. Okay. That's that's the worst loss that I have experienced as a fan of Auburn football. Uh, it's worse than 0-2 Georgia. Mm. It's worse than the BCS championship against Florida State. And it's worse than two years ago in the Iron Bowl. And um, we'll, we'll break down the game for sure. I think that this show is more about processing the game. Because there's going to be plenty of time to look ahead. Plenty of time to talk about big picture items. But I think we'll process the game today.
1: Yeah, and I think the Auburn fan base is split. I don't think it's split 50-50. I think most people are crushed, but there is a select group of the Auburn fan base that's excited about the future, and I think both of these things can coexist. I think it could be crushed for how this went, but also see, man, it seems like this recruiting class is going to finish out strong. This is probably the weakest roster Hugh Freeze is going to have you know, during his time at Auburn, and there's a lot to point at and say, okay, this is the low point, in theory, based on how everything stacked up, and he went toe-to-toe with Alabama and went toe-to-toe with Georgia. I get it. I totally get it. But what happened Saturday night was a bummer. It was a total bummer, and Brad, the nature of what you do and what I do, like we get to know these kids, and you probably know the coaches too. I, I don't really have that luxury, but We see how much effort and time they're putting into it. And to just see those guys walk off the field that way, knowing what they had in front of them, and it was just totally blown. Totally blown. Some of that you can point at coaching. I think it's a major mishap that Hugh Freeze wasn't aware of who was catching the punt, the most important punt of the season. Some people disagree. Whatever, that's fine. And then the fourth and 31, I don't hate the play call but it's certainly worth pointing at because it's such an important time of the game. There are multiple timeouts called before it. Like that was the best, your best guess on on how to defend that situation because you had so much time to prepare for it. Um, So like, did the coaches set these guys up to succeed to their fullest capabilities? Like, I don't know. I don't know, but it's okay to hurt. It's okay for that to be one of the more crushing things you'll see as an Auburn fan in a long, long time. But also it's okay to be excited about what Hugh Freeze is doing with this program as well.
0: Yep. I think you nailed it. Both things can be true at the same time. I think it's pretty inarguable unless you just have the most negative outlook on the future uh, that really good things seem to be coming down the pike for Auburn football. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to objectively look and not see that that's the case. Um, but, but you had this chance. Imagine the narrative if in Hugh Freeze's first year, he beats Alabama. Um, to me, that's
1: what hurts the most, Brad, is yeah. we, were, we were a fourth and 31 conversion away from the narrative being Hugh Freeze owns Nick Saban. Yeah. We were so close to that. If that ball is six inches one way or the other, that is the conversation that we wake up to Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, because Auburn folks won't let people forget it. But that's not what happened. But that's what stinks so bad about that 4th and 31 conversion is what it could have been. And look, I thought Auburn was going to get blown out. I thought Auburn was going to get blown out in the Iron Bowl on Saturday. But I was still nervous and excited about it because what it could potentially be, and it was close. It was close to saying Hugh Freeze is not afraid of Nick Saban. I don't think he's afraid of Nick Saban now, but I think he actually outcoached him. I think he outcoached Nick Saban. I, I, think our, I think he motivated Auburn way more than Nick Saban motivated Alabama. And I think he would have set a narrative of also like the odds of Nick Saban ever winning in Jordan-Hare Stadium again probably wouldn't happen again if, if Hugh Freeze would have won on Saturday. And it was close. He did just about everything he could, but it fell yeah. just short. And that's why it
0: hurts so much, Brad. Right, because it wasn't fluky. There wasn't any tricky stuff that happened in the game, right? Auburn lined up and ran the football at Alabama and they ran it effectively. And the offensive line had confidence and swagger and the running backs. How about Damari Alston with 10 carries? And I mean, between Damari and, and Jarquez, they had 24 carries, 178 yards. They averaged almost seven and a half yards per carry the running backs. And we talked about this Alabama defense was allowing
1: three and a half yards of carry. I think if I remember that, I think that was one of our buy sell things that we talked maybe stat time last week or something, but yeah. And like, that's, is really the first time I felt like Jarquez Hunter and Demari Austin were both healthy at the same time this year. And it's like, man, that's what this running tandem could have been. Maybe it's what it'll be next year.
0: Yeah. Nothing fluky, nothing tricky, just line it up. And you said this really well on, on locked on Auburn in the, in the game recap that, if there had been any semblance of a passing game, any semblance of a passing game, it's not a one-point game in the fourth quarter or a four-point game with four minutes to go. That game plan with that offensive line and that running game... Is 2017. Absolutely. It's the 2017 Iron
1: Bowl. Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Um, Javarius Johnson had four catches. Everybody else had two. Caleb Burton had one. Robbie Ashford's credited with one. That's the passing game. Yeah. And you still, and Auburn still almost won the game. If you want proof of concept, you got it even in a loss. So that's so that's where I come in and say I'm not happy with the loss. I'm not okay. You don't play Alabama to play close.
1: Right. Especially at home.
0: You play, you play Alabama to beat Alabama. That's the expectation. You're not afraid of Alabama. You're not intimidated by Alabama. You play yeah. to beat Alabama. Right. Um, but if you want proof of concept, it took a one in a thousand play and they got it and they'll celebrate it and they will put it on t-shirts and, and wall art and everything. They else should, forever. the way that we have shoved the kick six down their throat
1: for 10 years. They should listen. They absolutely should. And that, and that's what honestly makes us worse
0: too. Uh, sure. All of our stuff like punt, bam, a punt, and bow over the top, and all of those things, go crazy Cadillac, all of those things, they have another one too to go with the kick and the drive and all of that. So they have another one, and that does, that adds to the salt a little bit, but the fact that it was such an improbable play, the fact that it took such a miraculous play, right? Don't hear that that it's Auburn people taking away from their win, but do hear that it's proof of concept That 999 out of a 1,000 times, that game turns out differently? Yeah, we saw the one, but you got proof of concept in that it took such an improbable thing. And let me say this, too, while we're at it. I I said last week multiple times on the show that if Jalen Milrow came into that environment and was able to perform at a high level and lead them to a win, more power to him, Buddy, more power to Jalen Milrow. Sixteen to twenty-four, two fifty-nine, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Auburn could not get pressure on him at all. They had one sack in the game, and he also rushed for one hundred seven yards as as their leading ball carrier. So credit to Jalen Milrow. He was special a, athlete, fantastic. And, and, in that and Brad, when he when he ran,
1: he was just a click faster yep. than everybody else. Yeah, and I mean, I've watched I've watched Milrow. I probably watched him every game that he's played this year and I knew he was fast. Yeah. But in person, it was just a different, he's just got a different level of speed than everybody else in the field. So to him and yeah, yeah. And he was fired up and afterwards saying, you know, give him the Heisman and all that. I don't know about yeah. that. I don't know about that Milro. but yeah. Outstanding performance and outstanding throw by him.
0: No question. Yep. It was. They took advantage of the uh, of the defense as it was. I agree with you. I didn't disagree with the defensive call at all, especially not, um, not in real time. I, I think what happens is we get so hung up on money and the fact that most of the people who are fans of these programs don't make as much money as the coaches. And so we get hung up on the money and say, man, for that much money, you've got to come up with a better decision than that. And I, I, again, would really challenge you to separate the money from the position. The money is based on the market for the for the position. At the end of the day, these are men making decisions in real time, in the heat of the moment, and sometimes they get it wrong, and sometimes when they do get it wrong in a real visible way, it's the easiest thing in the world to second guess. We all did it in the booth last night after the game. You go, gosh, I wish you would have... You know, maybe if you have four guys and they're all coming from one side and you force Milro to go to one side of the field and you you take away some options for him to throw the ball to another side of the field, or maybe if your spy is, is a good 20 yards further back or closer, he can now be a rusher. And once he crosses the 31-yard line, he can't throw the ball. So now everybody go converge and tackle him. That's natural conversation. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think you draw a line between fair second guessing and just being outright angry. Like it's we're not going to change the play, and all right, we find somebody to blame. Now what? Now we got somebody to blame. Now what do we do?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, I, and Ron Roberts has been solid all year. I think he's definitely had this defense leaning out over their skis for a big chunk of the season. So I'm, I'm not going to hold anything against. Ron Roberts, I'm also not going to call for anybody's job. Yeah, the, I, I'm just not, and and we'll certainly see what happens over the coming days if if Auburn makes any staff changes or personnel decisions. But I don't love the spy. I I would I think I would have rather rushed three. If you're going to let him run for 31 yards on you, I think that's that's on you at that point. But yeah, I don't know, Brad. I mean, it, it was just I I don't think that's I think I it was think just something super fluky. And it's, I know. it's just, it's props, you know, <laughs> props to Milro for making making an incredible throw and right. Isaiah Bond for making an incredible catch. That wasn't an easy catch either. And no. DJ James, like, that's the guy you want in coverage. 100%. You want him throwing it to DJ James versus anybody else. So it's just. Which yeah. adds to the the that, level of flukiness of all of those.
0: That was yeah. the other thing that we said multiple times last week was if you put it in Jalen Milrow's hands and you force him to throw, I like Auburn's secondary. I like the secondary in those matchups.
1: Yeah, and down the stretch, uh, we did, except for that, except for that one. Yeah.
0: So and yeah, look, he pushed off a little
1: bit. Yeah. DJ hit him too, though. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, th- they let him play, and they're, you know, you know, as a DB, they're not going to call it. mm Hmm. In that situation, DJ knows that, yeah. and that's why he initiated contact. Then Isaiah, you know, extended the arm to push off. Like I, I don't think, I don't think that was as big of an issue as some people are making
0: it out. Right. To. If it had been the other way around, and it had been an Auburn receiver pushing off a little to get separation to make a catch like that, and it got taken away on an offensive PI call, we would have lost our minds. So yeah, yeah. I just, and I the
1: officiating that. was terrible. I mean, both sure. sides hated it. Both yeah. sides hated the officiating. I don't think the, offici- uh, the officials did their job effectively, but right. I don't really want to talk about them. The officials wanted to make it about them, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it anymore. So, yeah. hey, uh, our friends at MyBookie.ag, they, uh, they're the place to go for all of your sports betting action. MyBookie.ag, bowl season is the best it is the best. So go ahead and make your first deposit at mybookie.ag. Use promo code next round. You've got the championship games coming up this week and then bowl season. It's the best time uh I think for sports betting. I, I love betting on bowl games. So head over to mybookie.ag, use promo code next round when you make that first deposit. Extra coin in your account courtesy of our friends at mybookie.ag. So Brad as far as the stuff that happened after the game. Or is there any other aspects
0: of the game you want to talk about before we move on to, to post-game stuff? No, I do have a couple of, of things to share about the immediate uh, post-game and the locker room and, and some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you, you, you were that's so.
1: exactly where I was going. So you, you were in it. You were yeah. a part of that. And I listened to your, your interviews with, with, with players in the locker room and with, with Coach Freeze after um, when I was driving home. From Jordan Hare Stadium, so kind of describe, set the scene for us, if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, and I hope I'm not crossing it. You know, I do think there's something special about a locker room, and and I don't want to give away everything that happens in there. But it was uh, it was as quiet as I've ever heard any locker room ever. I think everybody, I, I think the players were a lot like the fans in that they were just stunned. The difference being the players were actually out there and playing in the game, but they were stunned. They were very quiet. Yeah. Um, I, Eugene Asante came in uh, to do it. Now, the, where we do these post-game interviews, they call it uh, – it's a special room, and they do some recruiting in there. It's very nice. It's, you know, really ornate, decked out. And um, and it's just us in there. And Eugene walked in. This is 25 minutes after the game. Still had his jersey on, full pads. Only thing missing was the helmet. And he just looked like he had been through a war. And I never do this, Zach. I never do this with with players, but I, I kind of called him over. And look, I've interviewed players after a number of losses, sure. right, like the last few years. And I put my hand on that number nine, and I said, hey, Eugene, you're a, you're number one in my book for doing this. It takes a lot to come in after a game like that. And I really appreciate you coming in here. These guys don't have to do it. They can say no. They yeah, can. Sure. They have some things that they're obligated to do, I guess, but they don't have to come in and talk to us after that. Mm-hmm. And he was emotional, and you could see the emotion on his face. You yeah. could hear the emotion in his voice. Um, did it matter to the guys on the Alabama team? Of course, yes. I saw how much it mattered and obviously I resonate with with the Auburn players and that's my experience so um it was they were just devastated completely devastated um Damari Austin the same way um we talked to Ron Roberts Philip Montgomery and then coach freeze um the, a, a few administrators came in to talk to the head football coach And those conversations and his genuine want for this team to have enjoyed that win and the response of the administrators to that. And again, I'm kind of being purposefully vague with this description to protect the conversation, but um, there are so many good things that are coming. There's a, you know, when you talk to Bruce Pearl, you you know that he wants to win for auburn he wants it it's not an ego driven thing yeah i mean he's competitive he's a winner he wants to win but but there's a real connection to the people of auburn that same type of thing is apparent with coach freeze it's not just about winning to say you won there's a real resonance with auburn people And a and a want to connect success to Auburn and Auburn to enjoy that kind of success, Mm -hmm. and um, and I got a real firsthand view of that in the locker room Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I mean the the leaders the leaders are certainly there. You're going to lose a lot of it just over the course of guys going to the NFL draft or running out of eligibility, but there'll be new guys to step up. You know, Hugh Freeze's first class. A lot of these guys over the course of the season, we got to see more and more of your Connor Lou, who I think was exceptional Saturday night as a, as a true freshman center in the iron Bowl. I thought he was fantastic. He's probably going to be a leader as soon as this upcoming spring. We'll see Jeremiah Cobb's another guy that I think yeah. is going to step up as far as being a leader of this next wave of Auburn athletes of this Hugh freeze era. Kay and Lee is a guy that's going to have a huge role, especially with DJ and Nehemiah going to the NFL draft. And so there's, there's a lot to look forward to with the personalities brought in already, Brad, but you look at this list of guys that are coming in. I mean, Walker white, you're telling me he's not going to be a great locker room guy in wins or losses. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a bunch of them, but Walker has definitely been the most, uh, the most outspoken one. The dude rolling up the to the iron bowl with the names of all the other guys he wants in the class on the back of his hoodie. It's like, you know, that I, I think I think Auburn's in good hands for sure. But you know, you look at the Eugene Asante's and the DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett's, and you know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of great Auburn men that were honored before the game on Saturday, and it's just they had a chance to go out with a with a really awesome, a really awesome, historic, legendary win. And they're one play short. Yeah, that
0: stinks. It does. I had a, uh, I had a friend of mine who's an Alabama fan text me when the game ended and said, um, I feel like I've just been in a marathon. I feel like I just run a marathon. So, well, that's real good. I feel like I've just run a marathon and been kicked in the manscaped parts like it's. It's a little different, but yes, it's it's a game that wore everybody out. And I hope we you know when we think about DJ James and we think about Jason Jones and um, you know especially the guys from the state of Alabama, yeah, as we talked about during the week. Um, as time passes, we'll we'll think big picture about their Auburn career, and we'll think positively. And we'll talk about this team in terms of laying a foundation for things that are to come. Um, but man, it's okay to let it hurt. It's okay to feel it and process it like that's to get real extreme. It's what grief counselors tell you to do. Feel the hurt, feel the pain, process it, and then let it go. And so, you know, we're not equating this necessarily to a, to a grief process, but, you know, feel the disappointment. Uh, understand that, that you're one, one stop away from. A, a, an historic victory that will be talked about by Auburn, that would have been talked about by Auburn people in a positive way for 50 years or more. Yeah, the rest and, of our lifetime. That's right. Yeah, it's That's It was right. a lifetime game, and in one play, it switched mm. from being a lifetime game from for one side to a lifetime game for, for the other side. I'm not going to give Alabama any grief about – you know, oh, you're celebrating a win over a 6-6 six and six team and this, that, and the other. No. no that it's is the Iron play. Bowl. Yeah. It's the Iron Bowl. That's right. I saw Eli Gold after the game, Zach. I saw Alabama's play-by-play guy after the game. And I told him. Because, look, at this point, the game's over. There's nothing that anybody can do to change the game. Did I want Andy to have the call of the the 4th and 31 stop? Absolutely a thousand out of a thousand times that's what i wanted by the way andy handled that rock solid professionally if you haven't heard his call i went back and watched it he he's a rock i don't know how he did it but he he you know he didn't sound devastated he he sounded professional he yeah. was devastated but he sounded professional anyway so I saw Eli. I haven't heard his call. Don't really want to hear it, quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. But I know what he's gone through. I know the health struggles he's he's had. And Eli, believe it or not, is, is a really nice guy. Like, yeah, I've heard
1: nothing but good things about him. The, sure.
0: the, the color shirt you wear doesn't have anything to do with with what, what kind mm-hmm. of person you are. Um, and uh, and I told him, I said, I'm happy for you that you got that call. I said, I don't love saying that, but I'm happy for you that you got that call. They absolutely should celebrate it, and uh, and we know they will. Yeah, they should. And look, if
1: it's hard to kind of imagine this, but whenever whenever Alabama's program trends down and they're you know a six or seven or eight win team, and Auburn beats them, we'll celebrate.
0: We'll celebrate. I mean, that's just yeah. It doesn't it we, doesn't matter. You celebrate the wins in the Iron Bowl for sure. We we celebrated '97 when they were in the first year of Mike Debose and they were average at best. We celebrated two thousand seven. When Nick Saban's first Alabama team came into Jordan Hare and Auburn beat him for a six straight win in the series, and it capped a really mediocre. They had six and five, six and six, mm-hmm. something like that for them. Um, you know, middle, middle of the pack. They right. celebrated all night long. So uh that's they they deserve that without question. Brad, you want to give some love to Lance's lock before we uh, get out of here? I do. Yes, lanceslock.com is a place to go. They have monthly packages, annual packages. We're in uh, we're getting into college basketball season now. We'll be in conference play in another month. Uh bowl season is coming up and and you said before that's a fun time to play. By the way, first halves of bowl games. Little inside tip. Look at look at first half plays for your bowl games. Lance's Lock has it all again. Monthly packages, annual packages. lanceslock.com. That's lanceslock.com. All right, Brad. As far as programming, um,
1: we're going to stay, I think we're staying to three days mm-hmm. during or four days a week still. So expect shows uh, Sunday. We may slant more basketball heavy on the weekend shows. We'll certainly see, especially once conference play starts. But it's about to ramp up with portal season and recruiting. Yeah, And so, uh, yeah, we uh, we have finished our first regular season here. On Village Vice, but we're going strong. We're not slowing down.
0: No, not slowing down at all. I had people come up to me at the Tiger Tailgate show yesterday, several people, by the way, to talk about Village Vice and how much they like the show. We appreciate that very much. If you haven't subscribed yet, we're making a push to 2000 subscribers. We're we're not far away from there. So uh, if you haven't, make sure you do that. Make sure to continue to comment. We do read those and we appreciate them very much. And uh, if you thought that the, that our, we would have less to talk about now that the season is over. Um, that's just not the case. It uh, There's still plenty of news. We're even going to give some opinions every now and then on what else is happening across college football. Like Texas A&M is going to hire Mark Stoops and their fans revolt. And now they're not going to hire Mark Stoops. He's going to stay at Kentucky. Now um, it's Elko. And now it's Mike Elko. So uh, it's a crazy time. They call it silly season for a reason. And gotcha. we will uh, we'll talk about a little of that, too. All right, Brad, I think that about does it for this show. All right. Thanks, everybody, for for watching. Novocaine will wear off and uh, we'll be back to normal eventually. Until next time. Remember, everyone has vices. Make sure Village Vice is one of yours. <laughs>